0: Welcome to another episode of the Mr. Nelson Show, episode 156. Not going to talk politics this episode. Aren't you tired of that? Sometimes me too. Besides, most of it is just me looking up articles and reading them. I mean, is that right? Besides, uh, again, uh, Lefty uh, is, I don't know, missing in action. I don't know. Haven't heard from him after last a uh, week's episode um boy, last wednesday's episode i should say uh yeah well I go back to episode 155 if you don't know what i'm talking about uh that was quite a meltdown uh which featured an old meltdown from a, an earlier uh episode of the Nelson show too so uh yeah you know uh it worked out for me meanwhile red neckerton has to deal with his marriage uh, uh, you know, of course, again, refer to the last episode. <laughs> I want to explain what happened there. Uh, uh, Betty June has moved back in with her mother for the time being. And, uh, well, uh, hope for the best. Let's hope for the best for, uh, Red, Neckerton, and Betty June, uh, Neckerton. And, uh, anyway. So, uh, oh, and Mr. Sex Ed is, uh, on assignment. <laughs> <laughs> So, basically, all you need to know, uh, the North Korea deal seems to be off the table at the moment, uh, uh, proving pretty much a lot of people saying that, uh, boy, uh, Trump's being led by the nose by Kim Jong-un, and uh, with no real evidence there, uh, Any this is the most movement of any kind of a negotiation since the 50s, uh, but all the whole time he said, yeah, I will walk away, I will walk away if there's nothing to this, I totally will. And so he did. Uh, So we'll see how this goes. Maybe the summit will be back on. Maybe it won't be. doesn't really matter. Uh, We'll have to wait and see that there are genuine concessions. The idea of, hey, we're shutting down this nuclear site when we find out. Well, that's because... You blew it up so much, it collapsed in on itself. God knows how many Korean workers probably are buried alive in there. But, uh yeah, so that's not much of a concession for a nuclear testing site that collapsed in on itself. <laughs> so, um uh, going forward, we'll see what's going on. All kind of machinations behind the scenes that we won't know about, if ever. But, um. Uh, And, of course, it all depends on what China's up to. So, yeah, we'll see. Another thing is uh, an interesting uh, elements of language that constantly takes place in uh, our media sphere uh, where we accept things that are what they are, but they're going to tell you they're not. Um, So, basically, the story is that there was an FBI spy within the Trump campaign. But wait, no, no, this is totally false. This is absolutely outrageous. There was no spy in there. Good Lord, right wing, get your facts straight. It was an informant who, uh, you know, was there to observe and uh, report back to the FBI, uh, what he or she, <laughs> it was a he, uh, saw and possibly even, uh, document events and whatnot. You know, kind of like a spy does. But no, 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 not a spy, an FBI (laughs) informant. you got to understand, in order for this story to work, you have to immediately go back to the beginning of when Comey gave his uh, list of crimes that Hillary committed, but then made it all okay by explaining how extreme carelessness is not the same thing as gross negligence. So there you go. If you can swallow that, well, hell, whatever they tell you. So... Interesting definition of terms and phrases these days. Very interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Well, anyway, on to entertainment news. And uh, if you're an arrested, developed man-child like me, you uh, you know a lot about superhero movies and shows and stuff like that. And uh, one of the things that was of some interest that was announced uh, earlier on was that HBO was looking to produce a Watchmen TV series. Uh, Watchmen, based on the groundbreaking graphic novel. Actually, it was a 12 issue miniseries uh, from the 80s by uh, British writer Alan Moore, uh, who was seen as having rocked the world of comics uh, with this particular uh, series. Alan Moore in the comic book world is often held as this visionary genius, uh, when in a lot of ways he's kind of just a, a bit more clever. Than uh, most uh, writers working in the field. And uh, he was kind of like a big fish in the small pond. And basically, all he did was uh, put in adult trappings in the comic book or the superhero comic book world. Uh, It began with uh, Miracle Man, as he's known here in the States. In Britain, he was called Marvel Man. And Marvel Man was a character who was just a uh, cheap ripoff of Captain Marvel because the publisher. And, uh, Britain was getting reprints of the Captain Marvel stories from the States. And when, uh, Fawcett publications that, uh, produced Captain Marvel and all that stuff, uh, got sued out of existence by the, by DC comics, uh, they quit sending the stories, of course, because they didn't have any. And so this public, uh, this guy said, Oh, damn, this is our most popular thing. So he quickly had some, hired some guys to whip up their own, uh, copy of it, hence Marvel Man. And it was pretty much, Almost uh, a complete uh, copy of the uh, Captain Marvel uh, Shazam stories and all that stuff. And Marvel Man had some amount of popularity in the area and then kind of just fizzled out and stuff like that. But then um, Alan Moore comes along and took the character and made this adult version of it uh, in the sense that it was all very serious and grounded in a realistic world. And that was kind of one of the first times you saw that. Now the, the comic books were moving from their silliness into more serious subject matter and uh, appearance of the artwork got more uh, more realistic and whatnot with people like Neil Adams and whatnot in the 70s. and they were moving away from uh, stuff and you know like Adam West and all that sort of type of thing and uh, just the silliness of comic books that it had always been because it was generally a medium for children to uh, waste time on. And uh, even though some of the plots and stuff that came out of the those silly comics were interesting, it was the only place you would find them because they didn't have anything else to do, so they would in, in put in all these weird plot lines and whatnot, uh, a lot of which, like uh, the, the, the multiple universe type ideas, like DC Comics really pushed that. Uh, now you have a lot of astrophysicists who believe it's true. <laughs> There's not a lot of evidence for it, but nevertheless, they believe it's true. So, eh, you know, interesting little tidbits like that. But when you get to Alan Moore, you're putting in this uh, approach to the genre of superheroes very much the same way people would put the the seriousness to the genre of detective stories or uh, the Old West cowboy stories, that sort of thing. And he just put it in to uh, superheroes. And uh, really, Marvel Man or Miracle Man uh, was probably his first foray into that. And he followed it up with other stories, but most notably, of course, was Watchmen. And Watchmen, its plot is very simple. In fact, it's a plot that was from an Outer Limits episode. Very Basically, you fool the world, uh, which is divided between the United States and the Soviet Union, which means nothing now. But at the time, <laughs> that's how the world worked. And the danger of the nuclear holocaust that was surely going to come any minute now and so, gee, how do you avoid it? Well, you convince the world that we have a greater enemy approaching us and we need to unite against it. And so they said, oh, aliens. So they created this, you know, uh, alien scenario and con- and fooled the world into thinking we were being invaded by this outer space menace. Well, that's the plot you end up having, uh, or basically the background plot of Watchmen. It's the mystery of what happens throughout the story not that interesting, not that great, it kind of silly, you kind of wish it was something better than that. But that's not the point. The point of Watchmen is the atmospherics and the storytelling telling structure which was so layered and well thought out by Alan Moore and the artist Dave Gibbons. Uh that no one had ever seen it taken you know taken that far before and so it was all very impressive and everyone's been trying to copy it ever since. Most have failed. (laughs) Most people took it to mean that, oh, uh, the superheroes need to be more violent, they need to have more sex, and it needs to just be really gritty and nasty and dark. That's not really what the intention was, (laughs) Uh, but nevertheless, that's how things work. Uh, Needless to say, there's a lot of superficial uh, nature to uh, pop culture uh, 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 stories and whatnot. Gee, who knew? So that's how that ended up and uh you know and but the, the atmospherics uh w- was so great it's very much an 80s book uh and then also kind of undercut by the reality uh and, and the, they say oh it's Reagan's uh 80s or what have you and yeah but of course in the story it's this alternate history where Nixon became president for life so he's still president <laughs> in the, the the comic book but nevertheless he's basically sitting in for Reagan Uh, Which is bizarre, because uh, in the end, uh, the exact opposite happened. Reagan and Gorbachev met, and peace deals were signed, and there was no World War III. And you didn't need an alien invasion to achieve it. So, uh, yeah, it all seems kind of silly now. But still, the atmospherics and the story structure uh, stand up. Uh, there was a pretty true-to-the-print adaption by Zack Snyder in-, in the movie. The theatrical release just wasn't all that, and this seems to be a common theme with Zack Snyder movies. You want to see uh, the full cut, and there was one release called The Ultimate Cut, which uh, c- holds everything in it as to uh, what the story was, because it's a 12-issue miniseries. There's a lot of detail in it, uh, in, in that series, and it's like, hi, boy, how do you capture all that in a movie? Well, you can't. you got to cut a bunch of stuff out and try to keep it to the basic story, which uh, is kind of boring. So the ultimate cut is the one that I recommend, and I think it's, it's good. It's interesting, and it's cool, especially when you're a comic book fan and all that type of stuff. And uh, that's pretty much it. It's done. Now, at the time, even when that movie was announced, I thought, you know, a miniseries... A, t- many, you know, a limited television series would probably be a better way to go to tell this story, and you could uh, flesh it out more over a span of so many episodes. And But no, it went for the movie, so and that's all you get. But still, The Ultimate Guide is pretty good, and I could see someone cutting that up into a TV series if they wanted to. Uh, but anyway, so you move on and all that. Well, <laughs> the idea of a TV series has not been abandoned. And uh Alan Moore doesn't want any movies, adaptions of it. He's always being a bit of a bitch about these things. He's mad at DC Comics because he feels they robbed him of the Watchmen characters. Now, the Watchmen characters themselves were based on uh characters that DC Comics had bought from a failed uh, comic book company called Carlton. And these were characters, the Blue Beetle, Captain Atom, and so on. And so he just changed them into Dr. Manhattan and Night Owl and so on and so on throughout the characters. And, uh, so they were derivative characters at best. And he really wanted the established characters to begin with. But, um, you know, couldn't the DC said, well, you're killing off some of these characters and we didn't want, we don't want to, uh, to do that. And so why don't you just make up your own? Uh, well, he did, but <laughs> there's still basically knockoffs of these other characters. And uh, so the the book is made and everything. And then uh, DC says, well, we own this, not you. And so he's all upset and I'll never work for DC again. And then DC did these prequel comics years later. And he was all upset and mad and going on about it. And he even said something I've never heard of anyone demanding a sequel to Moby Dick. Now, come on. <laughs> You're not Herman Melville, Alan. <laughs> and the interesting thing about this, why I don't have much respect for his argument anymore, uh, if I ever did, on this, Um because... He went on to do this series called League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Forget about the movie. It's no good <laughs> it has very little to do with what his version was. It was good. it was fascinating it is always very entertaining stuff in there and but it features characters from classic literature and what have you from h g wells uh you know uh Jules Verne and so on and well, those aren't his. <laughs> But he's using them. They're in the public domain. So he's using them. And he's basically made them this superhero team. <laughs> they don't wear tights or anything, but still, they're a team that saves the world and all this type of stuff. Well,
1: <laughs>
0: just what a massive contradiction uh, for his big, uh, uh, you know, whining about DC Comics. And then he does this sort of thing, which I believe he's only just finished doing it at this point. But still, um, not his characters. No, not his characters. Someone else's. And he decided to just make, you know, like were you're going to have Captain Nebo meet the Invisible Man. I, you know, <laughs> d- yeah, those authors would have been happy with that, Alan. No. <laughs> Plus, they, they fight the Martians <laughs> from War of the Worlds. <laughs> yeah. That's that's being respectful, huh? That's being respectful of someone else's art, you know? Yeah. So, so much for Alan Moore. Well, moving forward, do I have a problem with people adapting Watchmen further or even doing the prequel comics to it? No, I do not. Uh, I actually enjoyed the prequel comics. Some of them are kind of weak and not that great. Uh, the Minutemen was pretty good. uh it's certainly done by the, uh, the late, great Darwin Cook. And, uh, it's good to check out. But meanwhile, yes, HBO announced they won a TV series based on The Watchmen. And of course, the superhero genre looks to be here to stay for a while anyway. Um, you know, like I said, like the, uh, the old, the Westerns dominated movies for several decades and then finally fizzled out. So we can assume at some point the superheroes will fizzle out and probably won't see very much of them dominating the movies. But right now, superhero movies, is what's keeping Hollywood afloat, because <laughs> uh, for the most part, movie business is doing terribly, except for the superheroes. So, well, that's all you got. So, uh, Damon Lindelof of Lost Fame. Now, I remain a Lost fan. I, you know, people were mad at the ending, and uh, I'm not mad at it. I don't particularly like it. I thought they could have done something else, but you know, it is what it is, and I think they just, hey, we don't really have an ending for this. Plus, that they never explained the biggest question, which is, what the hell was that island? And so, they tease it, tease it, tease it, and then there's nothing there. Well, it's up to your interpretation. No, no, that's lazy. So, that was pretty bad. So, I can understand people being really mad at it, I guess, depending on how, uh well, how they emotionally react to it. But for me, it didn't make me mad at it. Like, I'll never watch it again. I've watched it a couple of times since then. And I still enjoy it. It is Like, again, there's so many layers and a lot of evidence of uh, really uh, great creative writing there and character development uh, that a lot of shows uh, don't measure up to. But uh, anyway, it's one of those shows that was uh, part of the initial uh, television renaissance that we've experienced that uh, trumped uh, the movies. But uh, anyway, so he was a part of that, a big part of it. And uh, he went on to do leftovers, which I've only seen the first season. I liked it. I wanna get the rest and finish that out. It looks pretty good, and I've heard good things about it. So uh so he's he's had some hits here. Uh he did write um the uh the JJ J. Abrams Star Trek movie, which I liked. I still stand by that one. I love that movie. I think it's good, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, it's a good movie. And but then the rest of it. Whew. Whew. Uh, It stinks. He also wrote uh, Prometheus. Now, Prometheus is interesting, but I don't see it as a great film. And uh, The Covenant, oh, God. Oh, boy. (laughs) Those – no, no, sorry. Uh, But uh, Prometheus – but coming to Prometheus, he wrote the script, and I've seen parts of the script where it had different details of it and that there was a certain – religion uh that the uh the engineer people uh were uh very religious and so it, it explained a lot about what happened in the film and i was like golly they really needed to have something to voice that but it's just not there and uh, so it could be that some of his ideas are pretty good but they get cut out what have you but here for a Watchman, he would be the, the showrunner and the chief guy here. So if he wants certain ideas in it, it's going to be in it. So he won't have any excuses uh, if it goes bad. And it's sounding like it's already going to be bad before it even begins. So anyway, Lindelof uh, posted a letter to Watchmen fans about uh, what he's going to do with this series and, uh, kind of, uh, what Watchmen means to him. So, he says, Dear fans of Watchmen, hello there. My name is Damon Lindelof, and I am a writer. I am also the unscrupulous bastard currently defiling something that you love. <sighs> yeah, it's, that's not gonna make it okay. <laughs> and you're supposed to, uh... Interest an audience into your show, and if you don't, no one will watch it and that means you wasted h b o s money Ah, uh, but anyway uh but that's not all that I am. I am a twelve year old boy no, you're not oh okay he's He's doing like a story, oh, kind of ripping off uh a scene in the Watchman that Dr. Manhattan retells his story about how he became Dr. Manhattan anyway i am a 12 year old boy being handed the first two issues by my father you're not ready for this he growls with a glint of mischief in his eye my parents are recently divorced and he has gone rogue so there i am in my bed flashlight beam illuminating pages watching the comedian fall again and again and again the old man was wrong i am ready for this because this was written just for me. I am 38. A man offers me the opportunity to adapt Watchmen for television. The filmed adaption came out less than a year ago, but that doesn't matter. I tell him I'm not interested, and that perhaps he should let sleeping dogs lie with hopes they will eventually be run over by a car tire, bursting their stomachs. <laughs> he does not get the reference. Yeah. Yeah, you're not Warshack. I am watching my father haggle with a man in a wheelchair. I am 15 years old, and we are at a comic book convention in New York City. Long before attending a comic book convention was something anyone wanting to have sex with, another person would admit to. I definitely want to have sex with another person. <laughs> <laughs> My father finally harangues the merchant down to thirty dollars for a guaranteed authentic screenplay of Watchmen, soon to be a major motion picture. Now he reads aloud from the script as the Watchman battle terrorist at the Statue of Liberty. Something is wrong. The old man's brow furrows, scanning the text in a ma- I I don't care about this crap. I. I. I- oh God. I. I. Screw this. S- screw it. <laughs> So, yeah, a pretty bad start when this is the first thing he writes in connection with this new TV series. <laughs> and look it up if you want to plow through that. Uh, I don't want to anymore. I mean, I've read it. I don't care to give it a uh, voice. Uh, but anyway, he said, we have no desire to adapt the 12 issues Mr. Moore and Mr. Gibbons created 30 year, years ago. Uh, those issues are sacred ground. And they will not be retread or recreated nor produced or nor rebooted. Yeah. Again, stop kissing Alan Moore's ass. As I've said, um, he's a massive contradiction of what he claims is his, uh, sacred work and, uh, that people are just trashing it and whoring it out and all this sort of thing. And then I give you exhibit a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So, oh, and lost girls. If you're into, uh, really, uh, very disturbing porn. Um, uh, it's about, uh, Alice in Wonderland and Dorothy from Wizard of Oz and so forth, uh, talking about their sexual escapades. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there's that. Uh, so he says, yeah, it won't be recreated, reproduced, or rebooted, but it will be remixed. <laughs> <laughs> i so so, uh, you know, again, the uh, modern language today, remixing is inter- is completely different from reboots or recreations or what have you. But anyway, he says, yeah, we need to remix it because those bass lines and those familiar tracks are just too good, and we'd be fools not to sample them. Ah, those original 12 issues are our Old Testament. When the New Testament came along, it did not erase what came before it. Well, uh, so... Uh, so, it, it was... Uh Yes, Watchmen was specific to 80s Reagan and Thatcher and Gorbachev, which again, Reagan and Gorbachev render the Watchmen plot meaningless. Uh, but anyway, his says, ours needs to resonate with the frequency of Trump, May, and Putin and the horse that he rides around on.
2: Shirtless!
0: Oh. <sighs> Damon. Come on. <laughs> There's already a sequel series from DC Comics called Doomsday Clock. Uh, I've got a few problems with it, but it's not bad. And, uh, it, it, of course, it crosses over with the DC Universe. So Superman and Batman are in it. So, boy, does that, that piss uh, Alan Moore off? You know it does, but, uh, well, it's a good thing all the writers he's stealing from are dead. Uh, So anyway, uh, there you go. There's that. Uh, Some of the characters will be unknown, Lindelof said in his letter. New faces, new masks to cover them. So I guess these will be new superheroes. We also intend to revisit the past century of costume adventuring through a surprising yet familiar set of eyes. And it is here where we'll be taking our greatest risks. I don't know. I guess he'll be looking back to the uh, World War II era where in the Watchmen world is where the superhero craze began, where people just began to dress up in costumes <laughs> and fight crime. Uh, the only superpowered superhero was Dr. Manhattan, of course. I don't know whether or not they'll introduce other people with powers, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. huh? Well, this is sounding like something I don't want to watch uh so he says uh, in our writers' room hetero white men like myself are in the minority lindelof wrote in his open letter and as watchman is incorrectly assumed to be solely our domain these straw man things it should be called straw men i you know no one said it was it just it's the population is predominantly white And hetero. (laughs) It's a hetero world. Otherwise, the human race would be in a lot of trouble as far as perpetuating the species. Uh, And for the white population in the United States, it's a reason why it's called the majority. Do you understand the mathematical concept of that? It's just a matter of mathematical reality. It's not a Nazi or Klan plot. (laughs) You don't have to apologize for it, Mr. Lindelof. You don't. But uh, he does anyway. Uh, understanding its potential through the perspectives of women, people of color, and the LGBTQ. Oh, he forgot the IA. Lindelof, Lindelof, boy, boy, what a, what an alt writer. Uh, and the LGBTQ community has been as eye-opening as it has been exhilarating. We've committed to doing the same in the front of and behind the camera. <laughs> uh, and every single person involved with this show absolutely adores Watchmen, except you're not going to adapt it. You're going to make up some other story and use the brand name of Watchmen and slap it on top of it. And your only real achievement that you're proud of is that you hired some people who aren't white, male, and straight. And that's it. So he wants to, uh, pander to that and slap himself on, on the shoulder as if he's a great man uh, for doing this. Uh, Pretty much belittling his cast because he's hired them because of their gender, their sexuality, and their race. (sighs) Yeah. So, this is not looking very good. Not looking very good at all. That's too bad. Because the guy is talented. I've seen his work be good. I know he can do good. But if you're bogged down in this stuff, we're going to get more of what we've been seeing in the likes of uh Star Wars Oof. when you're too uh buried in your identity politics and whatnot and uh pandering to people and trying to show that you're better than everybody else and that sort of thing. plot and basic character development is gonna get lost, and that's why you're gonna produce something. Shallow and uh, it, it's superficial at best when it comes to the subject of this pandering to different communities that are may or may not be marginalized, but they decide they are, uh, for the purposes of making them the heroes uh, their heroes. <laughs> uh, it came up in the best with with the uh, Landel Calrissian's Pansexuality, which apparently. Is not in the movie. Uh, I guess they're referring to that he he makes uh, uh, some some sort of romantic gestures toward a robot in the movie, and so that makes him pansexual. <sighs> yeah. Well, you can already tell there's a problem here with uh you're you're they're insulting the people they're trying to praise. <laughs> it's <laughs> so uh, I would refer people to someone. Uh, that I saw on YouTube is a channel called Council of geeks it's a guy who reviews you know these uh well geek shows and movies uh like Star Trek and Doctor Who and Star Wars and the superheroes stuff like that. Well, it turns out I had no idea <laughs> he's typically a, a it's him sitting in front of a bookcase with all kind of paraphernalia from different uh uh franchises and whatnot. And he's got this little hat on. Well, he took the hat off, and he's got this bizarre haircut with his hair uh, green and purple and, all his, and a flower in his hair. And he announces that he's queer and this sort of thing. I, I'm at a loss as to what queer means anymore uh, because it's not what it used to. <laughs> so, But anyway, okay, that's his thing. Uh, I've seen quite a few of his videos. He does his reviews. He's fairly good at it. And I so, saw, oh, what's this? But the, the title of this particular video was that he was tired of being of the LGBT people uh, being baited uh, by popular media, like movies and TV shows. And I got to say, uh, he's. He's pretty much spot on. I think the only thing I disagreed with him was what he's talking about the, uh, the Iceman character from the comic books. He thought that was handled well. Uh, I don't think so. I think it was just as much as pandering as the rest of them. But nevertheless, that's, you know, doesn't really matter. The rest of his point was, was spot on in that, uh, that's all these guys are doing is pandering to them and they expect brownie points for doing so. And when they do things like that, and especially in the case of the Lando thing, where it's not even in the movie, but the guy felt compelled to mention it and say, yes, he's pansexual and all this stuff to the question of the HuffPo writer. And I would submit that that has a lot to do with the bubble of where he wants to make sure he says the right thing (laughs) for the cool kids. And uh, that's pretty much more of what it is, but still uh, is a lot of this pandering. Two different uh, groups, whether it's uh, you know uh, in the case of this uh, uh, pants, uh, well LGBT people, uh, black people, women, so on and so forth, and it it does nothing much at all for anybody, and it's also where they, they they make themselves these self-appointed saviors of these people, and that I'm great and for doing this, and kind of belittles them in the process, and they're completely and utterly unaware of this. So here's a guy who's part of this group one way or another, and he gets it that they're full of shit. (laughs) So here's Damon Lindelof. What I suspect is doing the exact same thing uh, beyond even just throwing out snippets. I think he will head out the the idea of him having characters that are are gay or lesbian or what have you in the story is perfectly fine. Uh, but, but if it's just to the point that I'm preaching and I'm showing off how great I am and, and for the purposes of pandering, then no, it won't be. So in the case of his watchman show, I, you know, these will actually be in the story rather than saying they might be, <laughs> you know, just for, uh, the, again, the brownie points for, for doing that. And aren't I wonderful? And then they move on. So when you're putting these characters in there, especially when it comes to the sexual orientation of the characters, unless the point of your story is this gay romance story, it's not going to be the core of the story or the overall core of the character. That that's all they are. Well, this superhero is the gay superhero and that sort of thing. And, uh, and if you have a problem with it, then you are a homophobe, transphobe, something-phobe. Uh, and so are you going to say that about this guy who criticized this practice? Well, you can't, <laughs> you can criticize me. Of course. Oh, I'm nasty right wing Nelson and all that. But, uh, I always wondered if, are there people, is, are they getting this? Are you getting, your being insulted by this pandering. And, uh, so here was this guy on that YouTube channel. And, uh, he certainly did. So, uh, well, uh, good for the, uh, council. Yeah. Council of Geeks. There's a den of geeks, I think. So I guess that's a different thing, but this one is Council of Geeks, uh, YouTube channel. So there you go. It's a sad thing that it looks like the Watchmen won't be great. Now again, maybe it will be. Maybe they'll figure out how to make a good story, but considering the parameters of not hiring people based on the merit of their achievements and their ability to write, know uh, what's your sexuality, what's your skin color, uh, what's your gender. Uh, that's what mattered to get them into his writing staff and whatever else you have for the creative process of making this show. That's never going to be a good thing to do. The point of the matter is if someone shows up and it's some trans guy shows up, but he's got this backlog of, of stories and he's good at it. Fine. He can wear a dress in there. I don't give a shit. He does good work or she at this point, whatever. Bring him in. The point of the matter is that if he shows up, he's got this great talent. And but he's, you know, a transgender or what have you. And you oh, pfft, not hiring that freak there. You have the problem. But going out and using these people to promote yourself as if you're saintly is just as wrong. So, uh, off to a very bad start (laughs) as far as adapting Watchmen, which you're not going to get. And also, uh, the idea... Oh, well, I wouldn't want to tread on uh, Alan Moore. You are treading on him. If you're that worried about kissing his ass, you didn't do a good job of it because it would have been to turn it down and not do it it at all, unless you wanted to do your own thing, which I would have far more respect for, uh, but you need that brand name. So, Ah, yeah, yeah. So, again, will it be good? Maybe, but it'll never be Watchmen. And uh that's that. Watchmen is this singular thing. Now, they did the prequel. They've got this sequel to it, which is bringing them into the the larger DC Universe story, uh, which was part of a, what I called a Hail Mary pass for DC Comics to do because they were in trouble. And it got people interested in DC Comics again when they did it. Uh, so uh, it's, it's theirs. I don't have a problem with them using them. I have a problem when they do a bad story, but... You know, try again later, they might get it right, or not at all. It doesn't really matter. If it's good, it's good. So, uh, this new Watchmen may be a good series and all that. Again, it won't be Watchmen. It's just like the Solo movie. Might be a good movie, but is that really Solo? Eh, probably not. But uh, I don't think it can do as much damage to Star Wars as Last Jedi did. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, oh. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, The Watchmen, that's not Watchmen. Coming soon to HBO. All right, uh, stick around. There's more Nelson Show coming with Night Night. Yes, my own superhero, which is, of course, just a complete ripoff of Batman. But it's okay because it's all parody. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on
1: RadioMisfits.com. Constipation can be a problem for anyone, even doctors. And when constipation occurs, it's interesting to see just what doctors consider important about a laxative they might use or recommend. Well, a majority of the doctors we heard from had this to say. A laxative should be effective, gentle, close to natural acting. A medicine that can be used with complete confidence. Now, X-Lax has been popular with many doctors and millions of people over the years because chocolated X-Lax is effective. Overnight, it helps you toward your normal regularity. X-Lax is so gentle, so close to natural acting, there's no upset. That's why many doctors and millions of people use X-Lax with complete confidence. X-Lax, the laxative that helps you toward your normal regularity, gently overnight in space no one
0: can hear I stand corrected wow sounds like a cool outer space movie (laughs) it isn't but fortunately your old pal Mr. Nelson will be there to guide you through it yes that's right Cosmos, War of the Planets was Italy's answer to Star Wars, but for some reason, it just didn't catch on. Maybe it was the cheap special effects, or the below soap opera level acting, or maybe it was the fact the studio forgot to turn the damn lights on. Anyway, our sci-fi romp stars John Richardson, who once had a shot at being James Bond, but he lost out to George Lazenby. (laughs) Richardson just couldn't catch a break. I mean, it's one thing to lose out to Sean Connery or even Roger Moore, (laughs) but George Lazenby? (laughs) Warning, due to an extreme lack of talent, bathroom humor is deployed throughout the film. Whoa, <laughs> where can I pick up this goodie? <laughs> All you have to do is head over to sellfy.com nelson. That's S-E-L-L-F-Y ycom slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. Yes, it's just that simple. And you can pick up this particular sci-fi adventure for only $1.75.
2: Whoa, cheap!
0: <laughs> yes, yes it is.
2: Muhammad, Mohammed! What is it, Mohammed? Oh, Muhammad has just informed me that our secret cave base has been compromised. Did Americans know our location? It does not
0: matter. Do not show fear. If we are to be martyred, then it is the will of Allah. Allah, Wakba! And when they come into our cave, we will slaughter as many of the infidel Americans as we can.
2: Oh, but... Oh, wait. What does that sound? It's coming from above. Oh, no! It's... MOAB!
0: MOAB kills jihadis dead. MOAB, available at Walmart, Target, and online at Amazon.com. Hi, this is Smedley uh, from Night Night, and uh, you're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. Somewhere in a seedy part of town, we find ourselves in an empty motel room at Mofo Motel, when suddenly the door is kicked in by Night night and Boobo! Yeah,
2: yeah, take that, you stupid door! Alright, <laughs> <Quiet>, Boobo, you <laughs>
0: stupid idiot! You're giving away our presents.
2: Oh well, damn, we just kicked the door in! Anybody didn't know we're here, ain't know now!
0: No! I mean, all they know is that a door, yes, was kicked in. But they don't know who kicked the door in. But thanks to you, I'm sure they do now. If they're here, search everywhere. Under the bed.
2: No, not down here.
0: Mm, perhaps in the bathroom.
2: Yeah, man, the door's halfway open. You'd have to kick it off its hinges.
0: Oh, no, well, I need to let off steam after that humiliating abduction but evil sex act.
2: <laughs> what a stupid name! <laughs> and he's still so funny and he called his supercomputer Hard-On! <laughs> <Mubo>. Pay attention! <laughs> oh, man! I just thought of it! <laughs> you lost your pants to a computer named Hard-On! <laughs> yeah. Shut
0: up, Boo-Boo! We're here to look for evidence, you idiot! You're wasting precious time! What evidence? What evidence?
2: We've been to every mofo motel in the city. And we still haven't found that hide of hair of in here.
0: Only an idiot like you would take things at such surface value. Well, clues are everywhere. For instance, it appears someone forgot to flush. Bag those materials. We'll analyze them in the no.
2: laboratory back at the Night's Lair
0: for DNA. want
2: it's just the poo poo.
0: Oh yeah, and check the bed sheets. I noticed no. they were stained. Don't touch anything, Night Night. Hey, what? You've done enough damage already just by being here. <sighs> One does grow weary of constantly being scapegoated for city city police department's failures. What, what? Oh no, oh,
2: God. Well, oh, I'm done. What the hell? Agnes. Oh damn it, Charlie, damn it. And where is she? Agnes, please. And what are you doing wasting time talking to this on it. idiot I... Halloween freak? Come like, on. That's no. <laughs> all I've done to this, city? Oh, it's time <laughs> you idiot that? police officers showed me respect. <laughs> Shut up! Whoa, what the oh, hell? Oh, shit, Sergeant, you trying to kill me. Put your gun back in your holster. That's an order. Order? What? Wait outside, oh, Agnes, damn, damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Agnes, come on now. Damn. Work with me here. I'm, I'm, I'm the commissioner, remember? Not just your... Just, just, you, you, I, just come no, on. It, but I want these two freaks God.
0: <laughs> what the hell was that, Wetland? Are you recruiting police officers from the nut house these days? Damn it, night, night. (laughs) Agnes Van Putin is Agatha Van Putin's daughter. She's worried sick about her mother being held captive by that sick bastard, the fooler. Wait a minute. You call her by her first name, and she calls you Charlie? Uh, well, that's... Oh, boy, well, no, when are you ever going to learn to keep your pants on?
2: Yeah, are you yeah, about well, pants When are you going to start
0: wearing pants instead of pantyhose?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> Boombo! you idiot. You're
0: wearing tights, too. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, both of you, get the hell out of here. You've contaminated this crime scene enough. <laughs> crime scene. Based on the most obvious of observations, there's very little evidence around here that the fooler was ever even here. Ah oh, yeah? Well then how do you explain that video loop playing on the TV set of the fooler? Oh, <laughs> yeah,
2: nice,
0: eh? yeah, let's turn up the
2: volume. Personally, I am insulted that you would think that I would ever want to stay at such a nasty place as this Roach Motel when I am obviously high class. Message repeats.
0: Fold you! Personally, I am in the the whole thing. The whole is a wild goose chase. Carefully plotted out by that court jester of crime. Maybe there's a clue in the video message. Yeah, the clue is he was here. Anything else? I'll have real detectives figure that out. Now, you two, get out of here. Commissioner, we just got word. There's been an explosion at the fertilizer plant. An explosion? Yeah, it looks like it was a robbery. A robbery at the
2: fertilizer plant. somebody uh, huh? really must want to make a big garden.
0: Oh, Bobo. That amount of manure could only be used for explosive ends.
2: <laughs> An explosive end is where you get manure. <laughs>
0: Speaking of manure, why don't you drop that bag of shit you got out of the toilet? We don't need to do any DNA analysis on it now, since we're pretty sure the fooler was indeed here. To the matrix, Bobo. Oh, boy. And and later in the night's lair. Stepped
2: in stuffed again. Looks like the fool really fooled us this time night night.
0: No. It's really a matter of trying to read between the lines of every utterance of the fooler. You see, the fooler Is connected with the fooler, because, well, we have to deal with this first. What? But, but that fertilizer? Somebody can make a giant bomb and kill God knows how many people. One thing at a time, Smedley. Science, as I said, they Basically, it was the fooler telling us he'd fool us Then he wasn't there, and also that he was insulted, that we would think that he would stay at such a residence, when he claims he's high class.
2: Yeah, I guess that means he stays at, you know, more expensive places and stuff. Well, he probably means the high class hotel. Yes,
0: indeed, a high class hotel. But which one? Probably the one that's called High Class Hotel, the most expensive hotel in City uh, Yes, yes. That was going to be the first one on the list. Liz,
2: What list? All right,
0: everyone, everyone. Let's get to the neck resort.
2: Okay. Hey, Smedley, you know manure is poo-poo? <laughs> Whoever's doing that bomb, it's sure gonna stink. All
0: right, get Yeah, I'm coming. Oh, sweet Lord, help us. Then later, outside High Class Hotel we find our masked marvels sitting a night cruiser as they stake out said high-class hotel. Hey, night-night, there's a lot of rooms in that building, and
2: the fooler could be in any one of them. Hey, it could take us all night searching that place.
0: I know, Bobo. That's why I'm scanning each room for any signs of unusual activity.
2: Unusual activity? Like what?
0: By their nature, Bobo, Super supervillains are an unusual lot. Any bizarre signals or signatures that I wait, good lord. This one room above is exhibiting an extreme heat signature. That'll be our first room to check out.
2: Oh man, it's
0: way up there! Guess we gotta get, get in the elevator. No, we well, superheroes. We don't do things like that. We'll climb up with our nightlight cables. And so, after several misfires of their night-night cables, and night-night nearly falling and busting his fat ass, our heroes make it to the window of the mysterious room, and smash through it! Hold on right there, Fooler! Hey, who
2: are these guys? Oh Uh, no, it's me. Seem to be wearing the tadpole uniforms typical of the
0: henchmen of the bullfrog.
2: Now why would the Fooler's henchmen be dressed up like tadpoles? because they're not the fool's hitchman. Uh, Bullfrog, right you are, Night-Night.
0: Suddenly, Bullfrog's slimy, sticky, elastic tongue wraps itself around the head and face of <laughs> Night-Night, robbing him of oxygen, leading him into Night-night. unconsciousness. What's
2: Bullfrog's tongue taste like? <laughs> hey, What's Night Night's that, that, like? Well, boy, why don't you tell me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, both Ubo and Night Night find themselves in the blackness of unconsciousness, only to end with the burning stench of poo. As they awaken to find themselves hanging upside down, over what appears to be a luxurious jacuzzi tub filled to the brim with boiling poo. Why? What the hell? How'd we end up like this?
2: I don't know. It stinks. Yeah, 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 I would have thought it was obvious. Obviously, me
0: and my boys here tied you up, hung you upside down. Now you're dangling over a tub of... Yeah. And you're going to fall in and drown in it. Now, I don't know how you found out that I was the one who robbed the fertilizer plant. But since they were being innovative for green energy and using frog poo and to make a new energy source, I figure that might have been a clue for you to figure out my master plan. Uh, Don't matter, though, because now I got your ass strung up. And when that candle burning on the ropes burns through... (laughs) You gonna fall in that tub of frog
2: poo? Damn! Oh God! No! Wish I could stay and watch it. But me and my boys got a meeting with a terrorist organization. Wants to buy some of my frog shit, mom. Oh, that night.
0: Oh no! Is this the final fate of Night Night and Boobo? To drown in a tub filled of frog poo? And what of Mrs. Van Putin and her captor, the fooler? These and other questions may or may not be answered in the next exciting episode of Night Night. This has been a In production. The Night Night theme song is performed by Alistair White and his lovely wife, Heather. Incidental music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. All characters are performed by me, Douglas Nelson. Join us again, will you? Oh, man, there you go. Another exciting episode of Night Night. So glad he's back, huh? Well, that brings this episode of The Nelson Show to a close. We'll see you again next Wednesday. And this time, I really do mean Wednesday. I know I screwed up last time, as I somehow thought it was Friday when it was actually Tuesday. Huh. Doesn't that ever happen to you? Oh, well. Check out my YouTube channel and my BitChute channel for all my uh, videos with cartoons and all that kind of stuff. Uh, News cartoons and stuff like that. Also, of course, the Mr. Nelson store at Zazzle.com, where you can get your hands on T-shirts and hats and pins and stickers and all that good stuff. Uh, And, of course, uh, uh, my Poor Man Mystery Science Theater at Selfie.com slash Nelson, where you can enjoy the Nelson Theater. Uh, for the cheap, measly amounts of 90 cents for short films and a buck 75 for the full two hour variety. There you go. Oh boy. And it'll always help out your good pal, Mr. Nelson. Yes. Yes, yes, it will. All right. We'll see you again here on RadioMisfits.com. Good night, everybody. views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMisfits.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Nelson on Twitter, where they will be promptly ignored and or blocked.
2: Jeez Louise,
1: why me?